So yeah, we're gonna see some stuff. Pink oh princess God. crown. That's a teddy bear. <laughs> Ground control to major sloth. And in the background, you can obviously hear the roosters crowing. There's cats crying, babies crying. And that, there we go right there. So I did not want you to think it was the other person joining us. <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear me? I am sitting on Interceptor 004 on the Rio Ozama in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. There's always a brain there that saves everyone's ass. And that is who I'm sitting with today. I'm sitting across the table from one of the most important people in this building, arguably even more so than our own CEO, in my opinion. In my spicy. opinion. He, he doesn't listen. Oh, so it, spicy. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm now looking at a steady stream of, of plastic hitting our interceptor barricade. And this is the end station for this plastic. It's not traveling to the Caribbean Sea, which is a, a good feeling. How do I look? You're beautiful, man. <laughs> I, don't, I cannot get back in the office. I'm stuck here because I don't have a key, so I'm all yours. You got me. <laughs> I'm here <laughs> in the control environment. <laughs> Interesting. Do you have a little bit clarity also on who um, listens to us? Like the profile? There's a handful of moms that listen regularly. I know that. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Catching Up. Not only is this our year-end wrap for 2023, but it's also episode number 40. It's hard to believe that this little podcast has been chugging along for 40 months. I'm Dan Vanderkoy, and as part of the incredible communications team at The Ocean Cleanup, we use all mediums possible to deliver you our story and introduce you to our ever-growing and very international team of engineers, operations people, scientists, researchers, and many other job types. We think it's important to share with you, our loyal supporters, an in-depth and transparent introduction to the people within the organization to which you donate your emojis, likes, hearts, and even money so that we can do what we do to rid our oceans of plastic. People like Joy Gao, for instance. Joy is our finance director, and her role is literally to make sure that the money that you do send us goes to the exact purpose of which you intended it to go. Here she is telling us a little bit more about what she does and what gives her energy. I like to think of myself as the gatekeeper. It's important to yeah respect the money and as a foundation, to me it's even more important than for a for-profit company that we're fully transparent but also very accountable um, with how we spend our money. What gives me so much energy working here is that at a non-profit, Finances are crucial to be able to manage this project well. To be able to actually get to where we want to be in 2040 um, with all the oceans clean, you need money. So a crucial part of my role is actually managing where we spend our money, how we spend our money, and ensuring that the way that we spend our money makes the most impact, but also gives comfort to all our donors that their money and their hard-earned funds that they have given to us are protected and used in the best way possible to forward our mission. 2023 marked the 10-year anniversary of the Ocean Cleanup, 
One of the first people to work here was Stephen Bink. He's one of our IT managers. He and his team are also doing important work both inside and outside the walls of our main headquarters. From fixing laptops to installing Starlink satellite systems on ships and in jungles, everything they do also helps the mission move forward. As one of the oldest people to be here, he's pretty much seen it all. Here he is reflecting on what it was like back when this was all just an idea. 10 years. So what, what was this place like 10 years ago? You've seen a lot of change here. Yeah, absolutely. So when we started, uh, it was in a very small room, smaller than this in Delft. Uh, only four guys. Just a few weeks before, I, the, the video of Boyan's TED Talk went viral. And said, hey, wow, this is great. And uh, oh my God, this guy's Dutch. He's from Delft. I studied in Delft. I want to participate in this. And so I wrote an email. I don't know anything about oceans, but I know IT. If you need help, let me know. And a few days later, I got an email. And uh, I went to Delft to help out with Wi-Fi issues and crashing laptop. So uh, that's how it started. Yeah, in the beginning, uh, there were just a bunch of volunteers. But they were always very committed. And so the vibe was always uh, a nice atmosphere. But yeah, the, the organization uh, grew. A lot of volunteers came in. Then uh, we got funding. Then we could get people on the payroll. Then we had yeah, more stable uh, personnel presence. So that also helps, of course, with uh, developing a, a culture. But yeah, it was. It's amazing how quickly we have grown. And starting in the small office in the University of Delft then to a bigger office building in Delft, and then now here in Rotterdam. And we have, I don't know, 130 people. It's bizarre. And since recording this episode with Steven, our team has grown even more to 155 team members. Now, unless you've been living under a rock on a flat earth, you've probably heard of the Paris Agreement. This treaty was adopted by 196 parties in 2015 to create a legal agreement to help reduce climate change. In 2023, the United Nations Environmental Program began talks to create something similar in the way of reducing plastic waste and plastic emissions. The ocean cleanup has been a part of these talks all year long, and the idea is that in 2024, there will be a draft of the first ever plastic treaty, where a formal law will be put into place to help end plastic pollution. Here's our CEO and founder, Boyan Slat, giving a bit of an explanation on why this is so obviously important for the world, as well as what the role of the ocean cleanup will be. So I think the plastic treaty for us, so there are many interests that are represented there, right? So you have the uh, you have businesses, you have plastic industry, your chemical industry, uh, you have the governments, uh, you have the you know, activists who are often very focused on um, you know, the upstream efforts, which of course are really important, right, in terms of you know, the toxicity of plastics, in terms of you know, the production of unnecessary plastic. So, uh, but you know, in light of us at the ocean cleanup, what we felt was important is to ensure that the, um, you know, first of all, the, the best available data is used in terms of you know, the leakage points, how plastic is entering the ocean, where it goes, where, of course, 
we have a, a large research team that has been uh, at the forefront of producing those kind of studies. And also that um, your governments are aware that this type of solutions that we develop and deploy, that those exist. And especially uh, when it comes to the legacy plastic pollution, uh, there is this, this key technicality there that it's an in international water. So technically, no government is responsible at this point in time of taking care and, and funding the cleanup of, of the, the ocean garbage patches. And of course, if we want to return to clean oceans, we, we must clean up those, those ocean garbage patches so they don't go away by itself. So getting recognition for the legacy pollution in a forum like that is, is super important. And I think, yeah, if, if that indeed enters the, the treaty, I think that's, that's going to be a, a very good thing for the ocean. It's, of course, just a part of, of the things that need to be done. And um, uh, we need you know, action throughout the value chain of, of plastic, but that governments recognize that something needs to be done and that they need to fund stuff that is beyond their national jurisdiction. I think that's um, I think a major step in the right direction. For years, our scientists and research engineers have been collecting studies and data on plastic waste in the gyres, the rivers, as well as the beaches. So the beginning of this plastic treaty is especially exciting for these teams who are out there every day in the field collecting data and writing scientific papers. Here's what this has meant to just a few people that have been involved in this process. We knew where we're going and that makes me really proud because we were always seeing uh, sometimes uh, at ocean cleanups like oh no one knows what those guys are doing they are there doing their research or monitoring rivers counting plastic flying drones sensors installing sensors and for what and it's like well to actually to have a consistent and to actually understand the problem as a whole and that the work we've done so far in the past years opened the door to the discussions that we are seeing taking in global panels at uh, global levels or example the plastic treaty that it's being discussed now and we as ocean cleanup sitting now with consultative status in that forum means that well we are knowledge by the work that we have been doing and we're going to be able to support or implement this so i think it's bringing our knowledge and our data to a next level everything that we collect so far everything we learned so far now can be let's say that we're gonna amplify this and and, uh, and share with uh, with the world yeah, yeah, I mean, our moment, I mean, we work with scientific publications. So, I mean, we publish probably two years or three years after we started a project. It's such a long process, but I guess when we get our like publications out, it's like, okay, we got our science done, we got peer reviewed, and then the science is out there and it's available. And we really want to be open access. So we have everything available for people interested in using what we do and using our data because it takes so much time and energy. And uh, we are a small team, but we are trying to be productive. And uh, of 
course, the ultimate goal is also uh, to support our mission. So when we see other teams, the river teams, ocean teams using our research, we are like, this is fantastic. So this is why we are here. The cherry on, on the Sunday will be like to have the law and policymakers using our science to be like, okay, we, we saw then this is a new discovery, it's important, so we should take these regulations to help with the issue. So I guess that's ultimately uh, my personal goal, and I think yeah, most of us, I mean, we do science for a reason, for passion, of course, but we want it to be used also outside of the scientific community. Some of the science that we've been producing uh, over the years have been used in different discussions, inter intergovernmental uh, discussions, and so we have an impact there as well. The data we're producing is being used for by policymakers, and and yeah, I think I think that's also one one really big impact that we we have at the ocean cleanup, and and, and it is a pride definitely. <laughs> And who better than our Global Affairs Special Envoy, Joao Ribeiro Badawi, who's been deep in the back end of these discussions to emphasize that this work has been crucial in the development of this future treaty. But I think we can be confident to say that we contributed very significantly for global awareness on plastic pollution. And it's not by accident that suddenly all the governments agreed that they should come up with a UN treaty, a United Nations treaty, an agreement between states to address plastic pollution. We are an international project. We have over 35 nationalities working here in this uh, organization. That's quite rare, unique, uh, very few organizations at this level and of this size have that level of diversity. Uh, and that diversity is important because, again, it, it allows us to be very aware, very linked to these communities, to understand the problem in a broader way and be more effective when we are deploying these technologies. What an amazing feeling for all of the hard work and effort put forth by all of these individuals over the last years to be acknowledged and used for something so important to the future of this round planet we all live on. Another person who knows a thing or two about plastic waste is Fleming, aka Sloth, Anderson. In the 10-year history of the ocean cleanup, there have been few people as legendary as Sloth. All trips combined, he spent over a year of his life in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. He's seen every ocean cleanup system we've sent out, from Wilson to Jenny to Josh. Most people will never even get the opportunity to see how bad the problem is out there. This dude could write a book. He was also out there with us when we caught our first plastic on system 001B, and he's literally seen the ocean cleanup catches in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch go from two small bags of plastic to a whopping 18 tons. This year, he watched System 03, Josh, grow from 800 meters to a massive 2,200 meter long plastic capturing beast. Well, the bigger the system, the bigger the dumps of trash. And he saw just that on his last trip. Here he is just days after our largest haul of trash was dumped on the back deck of the tender. That was shocking to see, no, no, no doubt about that. But, but as I said, it, it's, it's every time. I have seen, as you said, I've seen it. Uh, when I was on 1B, the second system, we were testing a, a downsizing system. We get uh, two big bags. We pick them up out from the, from the system <laughs> in small dinghies. 
and we was have a, a, a short party up here around those two big bags because it was the first plastic. Now we have it. Now we're doing it. And that was uh, and the first extraction we had when you was out here, and the first extraction we get up was 150 kilos, and I was just thinking, whoa, this is not working. This is not good. But all of us keep on smiling. The next one, two and a half tons, and then we get seven, eight tons. That, that, it, the size of the system that time was smaller. So and now it's. It's just growing, and now we got. We are. We are on the. As I see it right now, we are on the limit for what we can bring on deck. The extraction section, where all the plastic is uh, uh, getting in, is filling up the most of the of the uh, of the deck. And when you take it out, it was that was a huge look. So I see the improvement out here, and 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 and. and but the feelings when you hear it, it's, it's, it's noisy. Yeah, and then the smell is coming, and you know, and, and then you can see in people's eyes, this this is incredible. It's, this is sad that we can take so much garbage off of the the water, but it's also good that we do it. Someone doing it, so, so it's difficult to explain that feeling. The largest amount of waste collected this year came from Interceptor 006 down in Guatemala. After all the learnings from the Interceptor trash fence back in 2022, we installed a new solution in the Rio Las Vacas that we call an Interceptor Barricade. This solution was installed back in April, and we were immediately capturing massive amounts of plastic from Guatemala City. Boyan made his way down there in June and was quite excited to see what was going on. It's off the charts. <laughs> it's. Uh literally off the charts it's um, so so indeed now it's not even raining yet in uh, in Guatemala City we might see some rains today so fingers crossed for that but um, even just now this is worse than most rivers we've seen anywhere in the world and uh, of course when the trash tsunamis do come that's yeah, that it's it's a one of the kind situation. There's no other river like this in, in the world. As things stand so far, we are stopping the flow of plastic. It's not reaching the Caribbean Sea. That's a major success. Um, the million kilos of trash that we've extracted in recent weeks, that's a success, of course. But we're not here to take a bit of plastic out of a river. We're here to, to solve rivers. We're here to stop the inflow of plastic to the oceans and for that it's not just about tonnage it's about efficacy right so it's about if, if a hundred pieces of plastic flow through this river how many of those actually still make it to the ocean and how close to zero can we get that number and, and the ultimate test for that are the trash tsunami so when there are big rains in Guatemala City you know, those will transport the most amount of plastic down this river. So if we're unsuccessful in stopping those trash tsunamis, um, we have not yet been successful in, in solving this river. So, so that's why, even though I'd love to now, we, we can't claim victory as of yet. Seeing this gives me a lot of confidence that we will be stopping those trash tsunamis later this year. By the end of the 2023 storm season, we had intercepted multiple flushes of plastic. And in total, we collected well over 8 million pounds of waste. Another large success story came from an iconic island in the Caribbean Sea, Jamaica, 
We deployed three new interceptor solutions in Kingston, and we've now officially closed the tap to Kingston Harbor. We sat down with operations manager Alicia Beaufort and business development manager Dominic Hardell to talk about the project in Kingston and to specifically ask Alicia what her hope was now for her island. We just need to show that we are doing some work. We have the support of the government, the ministries, we have support of private sector. Persons are just coming in, people are just dying to see exactly what's really going on here. Can we really fix this problem that we have in Kingston Harbor? And when they see that something is happening, the excitement, as in Jamaica, the excitement turn over, you turn up, they're here. We're here, the energy is always high, 100%. Yeah. The project really shows that we can do something yes. about it. We can make these improvements because before the problem was so big, it no one so really big. knew where to get started. <laughs> and the project has really been able to have this phased approach and step by step um, bring tackle, solutions tackle to the, the table. problem. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the, the government themselves, they were like, we didn't even realize this was an option, a solution being on the table. And yes, we have a long road ahead of us. Yes, it's a whole lot more. This is just a small portion of the island that has the same problem. But the fact that we have something that works and has been working and hasn't stopped working we haven't had any failure in the project as far as the, what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to come down, we're supposed to retrieve, and we're supposed to recycle, and the word is getting out. I mean, we are, we are beginning to see that light at the end of the tunnel, and that tunnel isn't as long as anymore. It's really, really, I mean, breathtaking to see how much we can accomplish. So we are solving Kingston Harbor, yes. And we're going to solve Hunts Bay, yes. I want to move to the entire island. Mm. And I believe um, it's doable. We have the technology. We have, first of all, we had the inspiration from the ocean cleanup. We can tackle the entire island. It's not going to be impossible at all. Next year will be another big year for Kingston. We'll attempt to add Hunts Bay to our roster including the monster gully of all gullies, the Sandy Gully. We wouldn't be able to do any of this without our incredible partners down there, the Grace Kennedy Foundation and Clean Harbors Jamaica. But another important partner who paid a visit to the island of Jamaica in 2023 was Team Seas. Matt Fitzgerald is the campaign manager for Team Seas. He, alongside of Mark Rober and a guy everybody knows as Mr. Beast, have been supporting the ocean cleanup for the last two years. Matt came down to Jamaica to get an up close and personal tour of what exactly is going on down there. Here's what he saw. I think this whole project has been like a lesson in systems and how small steps lead to greater and greater change. And so I personally really appreciated seeing where the trash comes from how it's collected, being on the boat as it's being collected. I, I just like, like following the trash. Uh, I think I, I told someone about a video I really enjoyed, um, which is like a sort of a parody, but a serious video about the life cycle of a plastic bag. Mm -hmm. And it treats it like a nature documentary. Mm -hmm. But in a way, like I got to follow that plastic bag yeah. <laughs> or follow that plastic bottle from, getting, from it getting kicked into a gully Carried by, carried by the rainwater down to uh, Kingston Harbor. Um, 
stopped by the ocean cleanup and the Kingston Harbor cleanup project. You know, a boat coming in, collecting that plastic, bringing it to the sorting facility where we are now, seeing the amazing like public education uh, site that hosts kids, um, school kids who are so excited to, to learn um, about what we're doing here and to like, you know, and, and, and see that, uh, that trash and plastic uh, get sorted and, and sent to the appropriate place. Like that is a, that's a, that's a full circle, but it's also, it's also a flywheel. And so the more that cycle runs, the more power we generate, right? And that's power to, that's power to motivate, that's power to convince, that's power to shift power. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know where it ends and that's really exciting. The end of the year is a good time to reflect and look back at what we've accomplished and where we might have come up short. Believe me, we've done both. From all the successes and all of the disappointments, one thing is common with everybody around this team, and that is that we're all proud and we're all driven. We understand the problem and we've dedicated everything in our lives to help with the solution. Here are some of the people on our team talking about what they love about working for the ocean cleanup. What excites you the most? I think it's just seeing all the pieces come together because we're in the background doing the kind of boring stuff like, oh, look, this invoice, is it paid? Tick, you know, but then when you actually see like, oh, wow, that partnership did go really well or that, yeah, that relationship that we've been nourishing has actually turned to a fruitful one. It's, yeah, very nice. I think in the office, though, I really enjoy the humans. All the people here are just so lovely to work with, and they're also really easy to talk to. So if there are any problems that I ever have in my day-to-day -day work, it's easier to just go up to someone to go, hey, I heard you're going out to yeah Guatemala next week. What can I do to help you? Um, is there anything that you need me to know? Do you have a relationship in Guatemala that yeah they expect payment soon? How can we arrange that for you? It's making sure that like all the pieces are connected. Like a lot of the time, you think of like the boring back office functions as just kind of like beep boop beep boop doing their little thing in the background, but. I'd like to see my team's role as well as being like, yeah, we are proactive and we're, yeah, on the same wavelength. We're not just in the back processing whatever comes through, but we actually know that so that we can anticipate how do we best help each other move faster. For me, there's no doubt that it's my generation who have made a lot of that garbage pass out here and, and somewhere else on the earth. But no excuses, but we didn't know. We was not aware of that. That was uh, plastic was a, a very good idea and actually still is, but we just didn't know how to treat it. We get aware of that. So, so I got this chance to, uh, to do something. And I'm humble that I got this chance. So, so that's, that's the reason I, I said to my wife and my family that, uh, hey, I will continue a bit more because I think this is so important. I used to say it's the legacy to my grandchildren uh, so, and the youngsters in the, in the world. That's big worth, but it's actually on the bottom line what it is. What are you the most proud of in your time at the Ocean Cleanup? I think really my team, huh? like the, the human sort of adventure we've, we got into and, and, and see all of this work and this science being produced and and yeah, having a you know talented team of scientists standing for the cause and working together is, is for me, um, you know, one of 
the biggest pride. But you know, I think one thing I'm really proud of is yeah, like you said, we we kept working, we kept going despite the setbacks, and and we're working, and so we're not afraid of things not going as planned because they never really go as planned and and we learn from it and and that's something i you know i just really admire and in in this organization is is yeah like we there's a setback we learn from it we come back stronger and and eventually we make it work and sometimes we have to change all our plans say like well that doesn't work like let's just rethink that and and i think it's just a very healthy uh working environment in that sense because you know you're not yeah, you're, you're looking at improving. And so to improve, like, you know, things will be difficult, things don't work. And it's normal. It's normal that we're having setbacks in, in most projects. It's, yeah, it's, if it was easy, like it would already be done, you know? And so that's, that's kind of, yeah, the, the game we're in, we're innovating and we're trying things and, and, and there are victories and there are setbacks and it just makes for a really beautiful story. I think I just, I have a different chip now in my brain, thanks to the ocean cleanup where I look at a problem and I can really get creative on how to solve it. Uh, that has been, I think, the best part about working in the ocean cleanup is that the sky is the limit and we look at incredibly complex problems and we don't shy away from it. We come up with, some people might say, crazy solutions and I love it because you throw out ideas out there and they can be crazy and they'll still consider it, you know? <laughs> I do love my job and the thing that I love the most is that I can actually see the impact that I'm making with my day-to-day -day activities in real life. So I can apply my technical background. Well, you know, I'm passionate about rivers. I'm passionate about water systems in my background. That's one of the reasons why I ended up in the Netherlands in the first place. Um, I can see that being applied somewhere uh, in, in the real life. And for example, and I, I, and I use ex examples, of course, the projects I've worked on and the, well, the Jamaica project. Now, if I look it up, the whole system that was created around that those the deployment in those gullies it's amazing it gives me more energy and motivates me and then keep keep doing yeah what's next in guatemala now and uh, there's a whole the whole country the whole region is mobilized i've been i have i'm receiving emails from the entire central america about because of the project in in guatemala and it's like, okay, yeah, I can actually see the difference. I can actually see what I'm doing and be applied to the world. And I think that that was what moved me away from academia. I'm passionate about research still. I like to understand things. I like to apply things, but I like to see the result of it in the real world. And that's and that happens here at the Ocean Cleanup every single day <laughs> in one way or another. <laughs> And what Renata says is so true. We see in real life what we're doing every day at the Ocean Cleanup, and it's a true honor to be a part of such a historic and impactful mission. If you've missed any of these episodes, please go back and give them a listen. They're full of so much in-depth information. 
Also, check out our year-end video on YouTube, which also gives you a good idea at other things that we've done in 2023 from all over the world. We love to share our story with you, and we can't thank you enough for the support that you give us. We all know that without you, none of what we do would be possible. We look forward to what 2024 will bring, and please continue to follow us, like us, support us, whatever you can do for us. We truly appreciate it. On behalf of all of the Ocean Cleanup and the partners, we thank you so much for your support. And from the bottom of our hearts, we wish you a happy new year.